Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture. Food. Arts and entertainment, weekly concert listings, weekly event listings, the environment, travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader, free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. Discover more about our wondrous, world-class city at the Chicago Architecture Center, now open and adhering to public health safety standards. Plan your staycation exploring two floors of awe-inspiring exhibits, from our interactive city models to skyscrapers that change the world, and learn about the fascinating stories behind the fabulous facades. Book your tickets today at architecture.org. The stories of the city begin at the CAC. Hey everybody, let me tell you about voting by mail. Voting by mail ensures equitable access for everyone. Normally, vote by mail applications are filled out online or in person. This creates a burden for people with limited access to transportation or internet services. Disproportionately, the elderly or people of color who are among those at greatest risk from COVID-19. Because of the pandemic, a law was passed in Illinois for November requiring vote by mail applications be sent to anyone who voted in 2018, 2019, or the 2020 primary. This falls short of what is needed particularly since these elections saw low turnout. We need to expand access. Mail-in voting is the best way to ensure everyone's voice can be heard safely. We can help expand voting access in Chicagoland by asking officials to send every eligible voter a vote-by-mail application. So visit VoteMailChicago.com. That's VoteMailChicago.com dot com for call scripts and a petition one more time vote v-o-t-e mail m-a-i-l chicago c-h-i-c-a-g-o dot com to make sure that every voter in cook county has safe and equitable polling that's correct your ben Jarofsky show for wednesday september 9th is just moments away. But before we do this, let's thank the following unions for sponsoring this program. Unions like the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9. The International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150 are sponsors, as well as our good friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. If you would like to sponsor our podcast. Come on, man. Come on, man. Do it. (laughs) 
Send us an email, bennyjshow at gmail.com. B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J show at gmail.com. And I will direct your message to whoever needs to read it. And you can become a sponsor of the Ben Jarofsky Show. Lucky you. We are really good at live reads. Okay. Let's get it on and popping here, Ben. Give us a song of the day, if you could, before we get started. And uh, live stream chat, let us know if you can hear us, all right? This is why we do the uh, song of the day, to make sure you can all hear us. So, let her rip, Ben. Uh, actually, uh, <laughs> that is not uh, completely correct. We do the song of the day because many people have said, Ben, my God, you have a beautiful voice. Okay. And it really just gets my day off to a good start when I hear you singing, especially when you sing Beatles songs. So for all you Beatles lovers out there, ooh, I need your love, babe. Come on, D. Guess you know it's true. Woo, woo, woo. Hope you need my love, babe. Everybody, just like I need you. Boom. Hey. All right. I've been keeping track. That's like five Beatles songs in the last month. So I love the Beatles. <laughs> the Ben Jarofsky Show starts now. <laughs> it is Wednesday, September 9th. And live from his attic in my apartment, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, we're talking all things Trump, Trump. Trump and Trump with legendary Chicago journalist Monroe Anderson. And now your host, a guy who does not mind talking Trump, Trump, <laughs> Trump and Trump, Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this, speaking of Trump, Trump and Trump, Judd for Trump's Defense Wednesday. And here's why Judd for the Defense was a popular TV show in the 1960s, a distant era that no one remembers except for me and maybe Monroe, who will be today's guests. The Judd in this case is William Barr, Attorney General, the nation's chief law enforcement officer. He's supposed to be the independent watchdog looking out for your best interests, America. Ah, to hell with that. We all know what he is. He's Trump's legal bulldog. Oh, he's coming to Trump's defense, just like Judd used to do back in that TV show. He already did that. Bill Barr did with the Mueller report and the Michael Flynn case. I urge absolutely everyone, when you're done with today's show, check out Jim Coogan's, uh, the interview I did with Coogan. He takes apart the Michael Flynn case and shows how uh, William Barr is overstepping his powers. Anyway, now it turns out William Barr's Justice Department will be defending President Trump in his rape defamation lawsuit, the one that was filed against him, I should say. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, what? Hold it. Donald Trump? President in law and order? Accused of rape? Yes, he was, America. But of course, loyal listeners to the Ben Jarofsky show know that. But MAGA America is blissfully unaware. Just one piece of news you'll never, ever, ever read in the Tribune editorial page or in a column by my dear friend, Johnny Cass. No, not Johnny Cash. God dang it, millennials. How many times do I have to tell you? That's the guy who sing a boy named Sue. <laughs> I'll never get tired. I owe that joke to Dennis. He's the one who first came up with it. Anyway, where was I? Oh, yes. You'll never hear Jim Durkin or Darren Bailey or State Representative Tom Morrison. Ooh, more on him to come. Foreshadow. Uh, <laughs> <Ooh. laughs> 
<laughs> yes, you'll never hear any of them talk about it because they never, ever, ever say anything bad about Donald Trump. It's like he doesn't exist. They only want to talk about Michael Joseph Madigan. Well, say what you will about Michael Joseph Madigan. No one has ever accused him of rape. How about that, MAGA America, MAGA Illinois, MAGA Chicago Tribune? Why don't you write about Trump's rape case every now and then? Anyway, I'll let you know all more about it. E. Jean Carroll, a very good writer, very talented writer, accused Trump of raping her. She said it occurred in the changing room of a department store in New York City back in the 1990s. Trump denied it, said he never met her, said she wasn't his type, which suggests that if she were his type, maybe he would have raped her. In response, E. Jean Carroll filed a lawsuit against Trump in New York State, claiming he defamed her character. Trump has brought in various junkyard dog lawyers to delay, 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 with one filing after another, intended to have the case thrown out of court or drag it on for so long that its ultimate resolution occurs after the election. Not that Fox or the Tribune would ever cover it, but just in case some MAGA hat wearer was like listening to the Ben Jarofsky show and goes, oh my God, I didn't know Donald Trump was accused of rape. I mean... I subscribe to the Tribune. I listen to Darren Bailey. I believe everything the Republican Party tells me, and yet I never heard this. Yes. Key evidence, uh, E. Jean Carroll says she has a substance on her dress, the remnants of a substance on her dress that she was wearing. And if Trump will provide DNA samples, she could prove one way or another if he is innocent, a word I'd never usually apply to Trump in a general sort of way. Trump is resisting providing the DNA sample, to which I say, hey, President Donnie, what are you afraid of? If you truly are innocent, your DNA sample will exonerate you, so just turn it over. Which, now that I think about it, sounds like just the sort of law and order thing a MAGA hat wearer would say, on Fox, which said, you know what, D? I'm thinking, hey, Fox, hire me. I could be the next Bill O'Brien. I can make gazillions defending Donald Trump. Bill O'Reilly, Bill O'Reilly. Bill, what did I say? Bill O'Brien. Oh, yeah. Sorry, Bill O'Reilly. I could be the next Sean Hannity and Bill O'Reilly. All right, so yesterday, yesterday you asked George Soros to sponsor our show. Now today, Fox, hire me. Well, you know, I'm sick of being in this attic overlooking the porta potty D. Dead broke lefty podcaster. What good has that got me, huh? Look at you. You're sitting what? in your house. I'm doing great. <laughs> what do you mean, look at me? Yeah, you are doing great. You got that glow. You doing Tai Chi? Well, Maru's been doing Chi. I think you're doing Tai Chi. Since you asked, yes. I'm and, doing Tai Chi. Well, and let me just let a little uh, secret out. Dennis hasn't smoked reefer in over three months. He's looking great. Where was I? No oh, yes. <laughs> no I could be a Fox TV guy. Yeah, that's a perfect Fox thing. Hey, Donnie, what are you afraid of? If you truly are innocent, your DNA samples will exonerate you. Hmm. Yeah, like he's going to turn over that DNA samples any day. I'm starting to think, folks, that he really did do it. Anyway, yesterday, the Justice Department announced it will be taking over the case. They're arguing that, and I'm quoting here, the president was acting in his official capacity as president when he denied he ever knew Carol. That's a legal defense known by its Latin phrase, amore et mela horseshit 
In other words, huh? known as the horseshit defense because it's full of horseshit. Sorry, Dana, mean to swear. How could Donald B. Trump be acting in his capacity as president when he was commenting on something that allegedly took place before he was president? <laughs> that response falls under the legal category doctrine known as duh. You know, Donald Trump, we are not as stupid as we look, even though we elected you as our president. In general, Trump is articulating a defense known as sovereign immunity, which comes from the British legal concept of the king can do no wrong. In this case, the king can sue you, as Donald Trump has done on several occasions since he's been elected president, but you can't sue the king. Got that? You know, I'm just waiting for someone in MAGA country to step up and denounce Donald Trump for this obvious inconsistency. After all, they're already always denouncing J.B. Pritzker when he tries to enact some provisions that are supposed to protect us against the virus. So when are they going to step up and challenge Trump? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hiding under my table, which is where they usually hide. Come on, man. Here's the deal, ladies and gentlemen. Trump's racked up millions and millions of dollars in legal fees from various lawsuits and he's asking his campaign funds to pay for them. The New York Times did a story on this not too long ago, and they tallied up approximately $58.4 million in fees that various Republican or Trump campaign files have paid for. This is similar, by the way, to what's going on in the state of Illinois with Michael Joseph Madigan. Michael Joseph Madigan is under investigation, as we've talked about many times in our show, and you can read about it in all the newspapers, and you can hear from the Republicans. He's under investigation for various allegations of wrongdoing, and he is tapping into his campaign funds to pay for it. Boy, do we hear denunciations coming from all the Republicans in the state of Illinois when he does that. Not a word about Donald Trump. Here's the other thing about Donald Trump you should know. His campaign is running low on funds, relatively speaking. He had all that money at the start of the calendar year, 2020, and then he just kind of squandered it. And now as they're heading down the stretch run, they're getting a little nervous about where the money's going to come from so that they could finance their let's scare white people to death commercials. Those are the commercial he needs to get reelected by scaring white people into voting for him. So he's got two choices. One, he could raise more money, which he's trying to do. And two, he could get someone else to pay his legal bills. So he's going with A. And in terms of B, he's having Bill Barr, the attorney general and the Justice Department, step in to pay for his defense. Of course, it's really you, the taxpayers, who are paying for that defense. Like I said, we didn't elect a president. Apparently, we elected a king. We've got a great show today, everybody. Monroe Anderson will be here. Yes, yes, yes. Trump, 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 and more Trump. I've already talked to Monroe. He's fired up. He's going to talk a little bit about the Bill Barr case. Got to bring Jim Coogan back. Coogan, get to work. Going to have him discussing that case as well. <laughs> Poor Jim Coogan. When that story broke, D, I said it to him. I go, read this. So many then chores said, involved in being a guest in the Ben Jarofsky show. Unbelievable. It's really. I, I sent it to Ramana Hussein. Read this. Get ready to talk about it on Friday. It's a hard job being a guest. All these guests are like calling. Does he send you articles to read too? Yeah. I don't think there's another talk show in America that makes its guests do homework. Uh, <laughs> it's damn Jarofsky. Oh, God. But think, folks, if I went to Fox, I wouldn't make you do the homework. 
I don't know why I call him Bill O'Brien. Good God. <laughs> that was funny. Like Bill O'Brien? That's, that's the first step, dare I say. Am I sliding into dementia? Ding? No, say it's not. Anyway, plenty of political talk ahead of us with Monroe Anderson. But before we do that, the young man from Alton, the man they call Dr. D with the news. Please don't try to get a job at Fox News. <laughs> I think they have a dress code, D. Right now, I'm oh, wearing yeah. the same cargo shorts I've been wearing for the last three months. Oh, so please, keep wearing the cargo shorts. How's it going? I'm Dennis. Let's find out what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon. First up, Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker. I'd love to win a Grammy. Gotta say, it's my favorite clip. <laughs> it's my favorite Pritzker. I know. <laughs> I love, I love. I'd love By to way, win a Grammy. I didn't tell you this, D. Uh, I, I forgot to tell you this. You I won a Grammy. I was nominated for a Grammy for my rendition of the Beatles oh, songs. Uh, lies. I, <laughs> oh, that's a song. Lies. Lies. I can't believe you. What you say? <laughs> Today, Governor Pritzker was at Hovey Hall in Normal, Illinois at 11 a.m. to discuss the 2020 census. Then he's off to the Decatur Public Library at 2 p.m. to also... Talk about the census. What do you know? Uh, all right, enough about the governor. Summer is wrapping up, and election season is right around the corner. We are now 55 days away from Election Day. So, Ben and myself decided that it would be best if we covered a list of elections happening right here in Illinois. You know what I mean? Because, you know, you're already familiar with the main event, all right? You got Donald Trump. And I tested very positively in a in another sense so this morning yeah i tested positively toward negative right so no i tested uh, perfectly this morning meaning meaning i tested Negative. Huh? So we got, got that. we got Trump and you know about his opponent, Democratic candidate, former Vice President Joe Biden. Play the radio. Make sure the television, the, excuse me, make sure you have the record player on at night. The, the, the phone, make sure the kids hear words. So, hey, what do you say we take some time to focus on the rest of the ballot here in Illinois? Ben, what do you say we travel across Illinois, in fact, for the next couple of months with a, well, not so new segment called Meet the Candidates? What do you say? Uh, meet the candidates. That has a ring to it. I've heard that. Where did I hear meet the candidates? I don't know where you heard it from, but you're you want to do it? Yes. Excellent. All right. Grab your mask. Face cover. Okay. Grab your face covering. Get in the car. <laughs> well, <laughs> we're in the car. That was us getting in the car. That, there's... Are you Wait. there? Yeah, there was another thing like, oh, like a quarter, a quarter fell out of my pocket. <laughs> that wasn't the, no. the, the, I like the quarter. It was like, we were in a car at a toll booth and I was reaching over to put the money in the. Yeah, I, uh, that was, uh, that was change falling out of my pocket. All right. So, Hey, let's, let's get in the car again. Oh, sh shut the door. All right. And put on your seatbelt. Ben, we're running late. It's time for us to meet the candidates. Oh, peeling out. All right, we're here. And Ben, I hope you ate breakfast because today we're headed to most of Palatine. Rolling Meadows. Inverness, I don't know what, how to pronounce that town, and portions of Hoffman Estates, Arlington Heights, and Barrington. 
in. We're in the 54th district, and we're here to learn about the rematch race between incumbent Republican Tom Morrison and his Democratic challenger, Maggie Trevor. Now, Ben, rumor has it that Palantine is likely to support Joey B. Joe Biden for president. Play the radio. Make sure the television, excuse me. Yeah, which is why the 54th District House race is a must watch on Election Day. All right. First, Ben, let's get to know the incumbent, Republican Tom Morrison. Ben, you did a little research on Tom Morrison, did you not? Yes. Heavy emphasis on the word little. Uh, (laughs) I did some research on young Tom Morrison. I know a little bit about Tom Morrison. Would you like me to uh, go a little further? Did you know that Tom Morrison uh, apparently has a nickname? Uh, Yes. Really? Yes. Do you know that nickname? Tell us the nickname. Yes. His nickname is Tom. I love the doors. Morrison. Okay. That's not his name. His nickname is Tom Tax Fighter Morrison. I saw that. Tax Fighter. I pulled this from. Oh, thank you, Tommy. Hey, whoa. What? That that's Tom Morrison is going to join the crusade to save our tax dollars by demanding, demanding that the Justice Department not step in to defend Donald Trump. I'm glad you said that, because as a, de- a defender of the taxpayers' dollars, he's going to tell you, D, oh, this is an outrage. If Donald Trump, as private citizen, was alleged to have raped a woman in the 1990s, the taxpayers should not be paying for his defense. And as I, as a defender of the taxpayers, am going to stand up to insist that the Justice Department retreat from this egregious violation of taxpayers' money and make Donald Trump pay his own defense bills. Is he going to do that, D? Okay, we're just meeting the guy. This is not what you do when you first meet somebody. (laughs) I'm just saying, Mr. Taxpayer Defense. (laughs) All right, I went to his website here, his campaign website. It says here that Tom Taxfighter Morrison represents Illinois' 54th House District, an area that overlays most of Palatine, all that business. Uh, Morrison comes from a family of small business entrepreneurs, from advertising to printing to his own venture with his brother in commercial and residential disaster cleanup and restoration, a business that they built up and eventually sold. He also taught fifth grade for six years and spent a little time in our field, Ben. He briefly worked in radio and television broadcasting. Yes, and I will now do my Tom Morrison imitation. Okay. It's been a staple of the Illinois Fair since 1922. Once again, it's not what you do when you first meet someone. You don't make fun of someone when you first meet him. Morrison, (laughs) quote, walks the talk. He has run his district office under budget every single year, saving Illinois taxpayers over $110,000. He is only one of two current Illinois lawmakers to get a 100% score from Taxpayers United of America. America based on votes against tax increases and votes against the outside appropriations and policies that drive the state's need to raise additional taxes. Uh, we have no new endorsements listed for Tax Fighter Tom. The only ones listed are from his uh, latest, his last race in 2018. But according to his website, this list will be updated as endorsements are received. All right. Uh, Also, Ben, uh, like we said here, he's got uh, some experience in TV and radio. Tom Morrison also has a YouTube show. Did you know that? 
I did not know that. Yes. I really did not know that. It's called the Morrison Report. I actually pulled some audio from his show. Uh, here's an episode from about four months ago. This is Tom Morrison's interview with Palatine's own trucker, B.J. McKay. Everybody look around. Everything you touch, everything you see, everything you've eaten has come from a truck at some point, somewhere, sometime. And then it's going to take another 15, 20 days to get to a warehouse to get broken down, and then another 30 days to maybe get to the store. What does that mean to someone who lives in Palatine, Rolling Meadows, Inverness? One of the things that people don't understand is um, it's kind of a lonely life being on the road. Did you get the name BJ from that TV show? And there it is. <laughs> wait, so wait, I got to ask you a question, Dave. And wow. by the way, excellent job pulling that down. Do they have the music playing while they're doing the interviews. Yeah, yeah, it's like a you know pre-recorded, cut-up audio. You know. Wow, why why haven't we thought of that? Like when we're interviewing Monroe, we have music playing in the background. You know, oh yeah, that that like, won't distract the hell out of you. <laughs> oh, so in other words, wait a minute, hold on. The truck driver wasn't talking while the music was playing. They added the music yeah, later. Yeah, they added it later. Oh, Morrison, you're a tricky one. You know what his new nickname is? What? Tricky Tommy. Or Tommy Tricky. Well, Ben, you talk to people every day. How are, how are Tom Morrison's interview skills, at least? I know I, I know how you feel about his politics. What about his interview I, skills? I got to tell you, I thought that was Mike Wallace with those probing oh, questions. I thought that was Lori Light. Excellent question, Madam Mayor. Excellent question. In fact... Yeah, I think Tom Morrison went to the same interviewing school as Lori Lightfoot. So, yeah, it was a very probing question. I really learned a lot from that truck driver. <laughs> I'm surprised I didn't sing that song I always used to sing, you know. Come on, enjoy my convoy. Hey, and, you know, beautiful he stuff. had that little joke there. Isn't your, hey, did you get, are you named BJ because of that uh, TV show? BJ and the good. Bear, right? I, what, is it called BJ and the Bear? I don't know. You're old, not me. I don't remember that. I mean, I knew there was a show about a truck driver. I'm pretty sure, but I, I, I lost the BJ reference date. The joke went way over my head. Jokes How have been known to do that. How did you go from sharing stories over the years to deciding to write a book? Good question, Mayor. Good question. You know, after hearing it about 20 times, maybe it is a good question. I don't know. It's an excellent question. Just like Tommy Morrison's question was an excellent question. So there it was. Tom Morrison, the incumbent uh, running in the 54th District, now to his Democratic challenger, Maggie Trevor. I pulled this information from her website. She does not have a YouTube show, by the way, guys, so we won't be playing audio from that. Uh, but her website reads, Maggie Trevor was born and raised in Rolling Meadows, where her parents were among the city's original residents. She attended the University of Chicago, earning a bachelor's degree in chemistry and a master's degree uh, and PhD in political science. She spent the next 30 years pursuing a career as an academic and a business researcher, and that took her all over the country and gave her deep experience in education and the workings of the healthcare marketplace. After a research fellowship at the Government Data Center at Harvard University, oh my, mm -hmm. she taught political science at the University of Iowa. Her top three issues posted on her website, healthcare, women's rights, and taxes. Her March 2020 primary endorsements include the Daily Herald, the Chicago Sun-Times, the Chicago Tribune, don't tell Johnny Cass, U.S. Representative <laughs> Jan Schakowsky, Illinois Federation of Teachers, the Illinois AFL-CIO, AFSCME Council 31, and our good friends at the Chicago Federation 
of labor. Uh, we have a quote from Maggie Trevor. She said, I'm running for state representative because I know we can do better for the 54th district by working together in the state legislature for the interests of all Illinois residents. We need to make sure Illinois families have access to affordable health care and quality public education. We need to pursue fiscal responsibility and fair taxation while continuing to meet our obligations and provide critical state services. We need to focus on ensuring equal rights for all of our residents. Ben Jarofsky, your thoughts on Maggie Trevor. We've talked to her before, haven't we? Yes. Full disclosure. I once interviewed Maggie Trevor uh, in another existence, D, when I was the host of a radio show on a station whose call letters I just cannot remember at the time, uh, at the moment. And uh, Oh, we it's WCPT 820. Oh, thanks. Uh, and we did this. Uh, I love this this segment that we did at WCPT. I think it was called Meet the Candidates. If uh, yeah, that's what it's called. <laughs> that's where I heard that <laughs> phrase before. Oh, yeah. Are you flip flopping over there? No, that's. This is. Get it right. OK. Tom Morrison would know because he's you know in the business. Well, it's different between and Anyway, uh, yes, I remember. We interviewed Maggie uh, Trevor. We, it was a remote and was at a hotel out in DuPage County. And it's so rare that I ever leave Chicago. And I said, where are we? And I remember them saying, you're in Higgins Road. And I was like, Higgins Road. I've heard of Higgins Road. Yes. And so for the rest of the day, I kept going, here we are at the Hotel Billy Bob overlooking beautiful Higgins Road. Anyway, I remember that interview very well. Uh, now, so Maggie Trevor was running in 2018. That's just um, a very typical Democratic campaign for that election cycle. And all, just when you were reciting uh, some of her key issues, do you, it brought back that memory. And the issue at, in 2018 was run hard on health care because the Republicans are weak in health care because obviously they are weak in health care. They've been talking about replacing Obamacare with nothing forever. They just want to get rid of Obamacare because they hate Obama. And so they want to just obliterate it, but they have no plan to replace it. In fact, Donald Trump has his lawyers in court right now trying to crush Obamacare. By the way, Tommy Morrison, anytime you want to protect the taxpayers, there's a there's there's something we could use some protection on. Why are our public dollars going to eradicate the one form of health care that many of us have? Huh, Tom Morrison, Mr. I protect the taxpayers dollars. Why don't you try to protect us there? And while you're at it, while you're protecting us, uh, our taxpayers dollars, anytime you want to step in and get the Justice Department to stop defending Donald Trump on that rape charge or that defamation of character resulting from the alleged rape, uh, feel free. Anyway, back to Maggie Trevor. So she was running. I remember it was like a very centrist campaign. Uh, she was talking about the need to have adequate health care for people. Uh, and uh, she was uh, talking about her. She's a chemist, as you pointed out. Uh, and she was talking about uh, her appreciation for the environment and the need for environmental controls. Uh, Tom Morrison is a climate change denier. Did you know that? D? Did he talk about that on his YouTube show? Oh, uh, they got into it later with that trucker, but I, you know, no, the trucker was an environmentalist. Now listen. So, uh, yeah, I remember Maggie, uh, Trevor and she, uh, came very close 
very close to you. Do you have, am I am I stepping on your toes here? Do you no. have more information? No. no. Okay. She came very close to defeating Tom Morrison. I, I remember thinking she was going to defeat Tom Morrison because this area of Illinois um, is transforming. It used to be heavily Democratic, but uh, it's becoming more and more. De- uh, excuse me. It used to be heavily Republican. It's becoming more and more Democratic. I believe. Don't quote me, D. I believe it went for Hillary Clinton uh, in 2016, and uh, Tommy Morrison had the um, advantage of being the incumbent, uh, and he won by 43 votes. When I think about this, when I think Tom Morrison in Previous elections had gotten well over, well, he got over 60% in one election. So he would like mop the floor with his Democratic opponents. But in this case, 43 votes was very close. And uh, so this is the second run for Maggie Trevor. Yes. And I believe that um, the demographic changes that are occurring in these northwest suburbs will go to her advantage and go to her favor uh, and she will be victorious. What Tom Morrison has going for him is the Donald Trump scare white people campaign. And he's hoping that that will scare. He can scare uh, all the voters uh, in this area into reelecting him. But I don't know, D. You know, this is a blue state. Uh, Donald Trump is very unpopular uh, in that area. Tom Morris is is uh, uh, vociferously opposed to abortion. I know uh, our good friend TC Terry Cosgrove, personal pack, is probably going to be sending out flyers pointing this out, uh, or hammering hard at Tom Morrison, and uh, big big uh, supporter of the NRI, uh, Tom Morrison. But I don't think that's going to go over well in this district. I got a feeling, uh, to quote the Beatles, your favorite group, that um, this uh, will be Maggie Trevor's year. I got a feeling. Just got a feeling. There you are. Those are the candidates there in the 54th district. Maggie Trevor, Tom Morrison. That is this week's edition of Meet the Candidates. All right, Ben, get back in the car. Shut the door there. <laughs> Drop the quarter again. No, we're not doing that. Let's go. Whoa, Ben. Hang tight. Deep. All right, we're back. What? Do you remember that field trip we took? I remember it really clearly when we went out to uh, DuPage County for that show and Higgins Road. Do you remember that one? Oh, yeah. We, we went to Wendy's. There. Very good. We went to Wendy's. <laughs> I think Antonio's with us. Oh, man, this burger's delicious. He was wolfing the burger. <laughs> Love the Wendy's chili. You had the chili. I think I had the um, the smoothie, as I recall. I had the smoothie. Didn't want to eat too much tea before the show. You, you mean know, the frosty. You had the frosty. Thank you. Thank you for the plan. Wendy's does not do today. smoothies. All right, moving on here. Now, Ben, I know you were talking about this just last night in our interview with Illinois State Rep Sonia Harper, available for oh, download yes. now. Yes. Uh, but the Sun-Times and Tom Shuba brought the subject up today, and it'd be great to hear you uh, talk about it again. Social equity cannabis licenses. On paper, Illinois game, Illinois' game plan for giving out cannabis licenses sounded simple. Award 75 recreational marijuana dispensary licenses in a lottery in late September. The applicants proceeding to the lottery phase were notified a week ago, and those 75 dispensary licenses will be the first awarded since recreational marijuana became legal in the state January 1st. Solid plan, Illinois. So far, so good. But we can't forget, everyone, 
Our state is addicted to corruption. We just can't help ourselves, guys. We love it. Any way, shape, or form, we will take it. And with more than 700 candidates submitting 1,667 total applications seeking upwards of 4,000 dispensary licenses, oh, you knew our problematic state just couldn't help itself. Today's headline from Thomas Tax Fighting Shuba. <laughs> He's always protecting the taxpayers' interests, young Tommy Shuba, dude. Today's headline from Tom Shuba, finalist for marijuana dispensary licenses, also work for firm that graded applications. Seriously, guys? (sighs) Our state may have a problem. Also, to backtrack, how can 700 candidates submit over 1,600 ballots? More on that in moments. Tom Shuba writes, an employee of the global accounting firm that was awarded a no-bid contract to grade applications for the state's next round of pot shop licenses is also a partner in one of the 21 groups that secured a spot in the upcoming lottery to determine the winners. The accounting firm KPMG is getting nearly $4.2 million through a no-bid contract with the Illinois Department of Financial and Professional Regulation, the agency that oversees dispensaries. The news that a KPMG employee is also part of a firm that secured five spots in the dispensary lottery comes as lawmakers and applicants continue to pepper Governor J.B. Pritz with concerns about the firm's contract methods and how the application process shook out. KPMG spokesman James McGann said the employee, quote, is an employee, but he was not part of the engagement team that scored the applications. He added, the scoring process was objective following the state's criteria with a blind scoring methodology. Uh, The team scoring the applications would have no knowledge of names or affiliations of applicants. A separate team scored certain aspects of the application, such as social equity. EHR spokesman Eric Kowalczyk said the firm was formed last July, seven months before KPMG signed its initial contract with the IDFPR. Ben Jarofsky, let's go to you here. Is this pure coincidence? Have the books been cooked? Is the jig up for KPMG? <laughs> All right. This We've been talking a lot about this on the show. And again, uh, as Dennis was saying, Sonia Harper, State Representative Sonia Harper from Englewood on the South Side was on the show yesterday. Uh, she's the uh, member of the Illinois Legislative Black Caucus. are very upset about this. They're uh, asking uh, to suspend the lottery process until uh, further, re- uh, further review. Uh, the, I, I don't know if I'm going to go so far as to say it's out-and-out corruption, but it's definitely a flaw in the system. And I know my dear friend, Milo Samarja, uh, always says, Ben, every system has a system. And man, oh man, this system sucks, in my humble opinion. And I've, I've always felt that we should u- use the, award, the rewarding or the awarding of uh, cannabis license, that's what we're supposed to call it, cannabis license, uh, to help black entrepreneurs get a foothold in uh, the business. And I've been told by people, Ben, you can't say, you can't just reserve it for black entrepreneurs because, I don't know, that's reverse discrimination. Who the hell knows? So they come up with this cockamamie uh, way of, of calling it a social equity uh, license so that you promote other things other than the race of the entrepreneur. And I say black because it's just me speaking from my heart. I've noted for years and years that black people were the ones thrown in jail and penalized for our crazy uh, cannabis laws, marijuana laws, reefer laws, and white people got to smoke it freely. So now suddenly it's legal 
in all these rich white people and rich white companies are dominating the business. I just think that's unfair. And I think the state has to come up with rules and regulations that guarantee that some black people make some money out of this business. And what they came up with is a system where we don't even know who the companies are, who owns the companies. They hide behind these LLCs uh, that you could put in multiple applications. I'm sure the state wanted the application fee. I'm sure that's part of the reason why they did it. But all these applications, multiple applications from companies are coming in and that crowds out the field. And so somehow or other, only there's 21 people now eligible for the lottery or 21 applications eligible for the lottery. And all these other applicants got frozen out, including our old pal, Ricky Enden, State Senator Ricky Enden, uh, who had a press conference on this matter uh, yesterday at City Hall. So, yes, D, I'm not sure I'm ready to call it corruption, but the system was flawed and the people who know how to play the system were the ones who benefited the most. And just like in the old system, it wasn't black people. And I really... JB, you know, I love you. Gave you an A minus yesterday for how you handled the COVID, but I don't think this was handled well. And I do think that you should do more to make sure that black people are benefiting from the system because it was black people and black communities that were hit the hardest by the war on drugs for all these years. D. So that's that's how I look at it. Thomas Shuba hit him hard uh, in today's column or today's story. At, well, he should, because this is outrageous, man. It's just outrageous. And the KPM, th- this whole thing where the company that uh, sets up and oversees the process of evaluating the applicants has an employee who is applying. That's ridiculous. I mean, it's just a, such an obvious conflict of interest. And I say, well, we, the company's like, he has nothing to do with the evaluation process. I'm sorry, D. He, he, they should have told him, look, if you want to work for our company, you can't apply for a license. If you want to apply for a license, you can't work for our company. That's just how I view it. You want to, Illinois, you're right, has that reputation. It has. So you want to eradicate any trace of a conflict of interest. But, and then there was the other applicant. Uh, I for, I'm blanking on his name right now. Uh, Tommy wrote about it. And uh, we've been talking about this one on the show as well. Uh, Phil Stefani, I think it was, that's his name, who was an applicant uh, for, a, uh, for a license. And he was opposing uh, another uh, dispensary from going into his neighborhood. You know, he lives on the Gold Coast. And Schubert wrote about this. So it's like, oh, was, did you join the opposition against the other dispensary because you wanted to protect your own interest? I, you know, it's Illinois D., and I'm not ready to say it's out and out corruption, but it just sticks. And what about the, uh, you know, the candidate application thing? Uh, 700 candidates, but over 1,600 uh, ballots received. What's that all about? You can apply more than once? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You can apply many times. And this, I'm sure the state's attitude was, well, we get the application fees. That's money for the state. <laughs> state's broke. I mean, that, I'm sure that's what they were thinking. So you've got tons of applicants applying again and again. The wealthier you are, the easier it is. I mean, it's a system that benefits the well-to-do. Oh, there's a shocker for Illinois. A system that benefits the well-to-do. First of all, just to you got to hire attorneys, consultants to help you prepare your application. You know, that 
benefits the well-to-do, then you have to pay the application fee. That benefits the well-to-do. So we, we talked about this with uh, Sonia Harper in more detail yesterday. I urge everybody uh, to listen to that. And Ricky Hendon's going to come on the show. We're going to bring Ricky back. We'll be talking about it more. And uh, we'll be doing a cannabis conversation tomorrow. Lisa Solomon will, and Bruce Montgomery will be on. We'll be talking about this more. So come on, Illinois. Let's get it right. All right. I'll say it one more time. Say I'll it. say it 20 more times, 30 more times. I can't say it's enough. The black community was hit the hardest by the war on drugs. It's time to do right by the black community. All right, moving on. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Today on Mayor Lightfoot's schedule, the virtual city council meeting. It happened at 10 a.m. I am feverishly refreshing all the Chicago news sites uh, in search for the details on today's city council meeting. As soon as I get those details, I will be providing them on this program. Hopefully we can get it by the end of the show. Ben, any ideas what they may have talked about uh, at today's city council meeting? Probably budget stuff, but I do know I did get a text from one Mr. Bike. Dave Goetz, and he is uh, watching it, and he's uh, taping it, recording it, excuse me, D, recording it, uh, and he's all set to come on, I think, next week uh, with another uh, edition of Dave Goetz Breaks Down the Chicago City Council Meeting, <laughs> which is not the real name of the segment. We never come up with the real name of oh, the segment. A City Council Synopsis with Dave Gloetz. God dang, you're good. God dang, you're good. We've been but calling actually, it that, that for is- months. <laughs> I forgot what we called it. So anyway. So we'll provide the details on that uh, as they become available. Ben, we had a guest visiting Chicago today. Did you know this? Attorney General Bill Barr. You're kidding. No, he was in Chicago Barr. today. And he Wait, hold on. Oh, he's at my door. Let me go get him. He's going to arrest me for saying all the nasty things I said about him. Very nasty. That's my Donald Trump invitation. Attorney General William Barr today uh, was in Chicago and he trumpeted the success of Operation Legend, an initiative President Donald Trump expanded in July to send additional federal agents to the city of Chicago. Barr said at a news conference, quote, by taking chronic violent criminals off the street, we will force crime rates down. Barr also said that 400 federal agents had been committed to Chicago as part of the program, as well as more than $9 million in police grant money and $3.5 million in technical assistance. He said federal prosecutors have charged 124 defendants. We'll do a quote from Barr. Barr said, quote, Many of those defendants are now detained pending trial rather than causing harm on the streets. Ben, you've got to catch William Barr before he leaves town. Say hey. Yeah. Like I said, he's knocked on my door. What that He is so full of it, that William Barr. First of all, I don't know how many people, I just read this. I just don't, I was looking for it in the paper. I can't find it. How many people were shot over the weekend? The, Trump administration has been utterly worthless to Chicago and Chicago's ongoing fight with violence. And this is a fight, this has been a very violent city for as long as I can remember. So stop pretending like this is something new that just occurred as Trump does uh, with the Obama administration. Stop using the violence in Chicago as a tool in your political fight with Democrats. You wanna work with Chicago? and the mayor of Chicago and the alderman of Chicago and the police department of Chicago to try to confront this situation, help us out. Boy, there's a lot of things we could need help with. 
our financial state is particularly precarious. We could use some help financially, like dealing with the mental health crisis in the city of Chicago. We could use some help uh, dealing with just our paying our police overtime bills. Maybe we can hire more police so they're not all stressed out working all that overtime. No, it's just rhetoric. They sent in a, those, uh, what was it, 400 agents? They said, Lord knows what they did. All I know is that there was, over the, over the weekend, forget how many shootings it was, I was looking for it, I just can't find it at the moment. So it's just, Chicago is a target for Trump and Barr. I don't know why he even came to Chicago, Barr. He could have made that announcement in Washington, D.C. My guess is there's some kind of fundraising connected to it, but I may not. It says here the federal help arrived to Chicago again, struggled with gun violence this summer. That violence has continued, leading to the fatal shooting of an eight-year-old girl who was riding in a car with family members. Still, Operation Legend appears to have contributed to a surge in new gun cases filed in federal court in Chicago. Uh, let's see here. Uh, that followed a bump in federal gr- uh, gun prosecutions in June. Uh, the new agents sent here under the program were meant to work in uh, were meant to work in partnership with Chicago Police and Mayor Lori Lightfoot's office under the direction of U.S. Attorney John Lausch. Last week, Lausch's office announced that 103 defendants had been charged since the launch of Operation Legend with felony offenses related to violent crime. Yeah, no, I'm saying I understand all that. I just don't understand why William Barr had to come to Chicago to make uh, this announcement. Uh, but uh, be that as it may, they've been locking up people. This is old. Mick Dumkey comes on this show. We talk about it all the time. The approaches to criminal justice, the approaches to trying to cr- uh, crack down a crime or deal with crime. Uh, one of the get tough and law and order, lock people up, lock them up, throw them away. It hasn't worked. Uh and uh, again, I like to point I point out that throwing people in the jail for gun violations. I'm a big believer in gun control, but completely mixed message uh, from the Republican Party, Donald Trump and William Barr in this one, as you saw with Kyle Rittenhouse in Wisconsin. Excellent column in today's Tribune by Eric Zorn talking about the the poorly written law in Wisconsin that it apparently uh, allowed Kyle Rittenhouse, uh, even though he was under uh, the age of 18, to walk down the streets uh, with his uh, his rifle. So on one hand, they say we're going to crack down uh, on drugs. And the other hand, they're doing everything they can promote. They can to promote uh, the legalization of the drugs or the people, excuse me, of guns. Uh, so that people could walk around openly with their guns and shooting each other with their guns. Somehow or other, it's justified. Just a complete and total mixed message. Nobody's working together, uh, really, uh, on this matter. And it's been this way for as long as I can freaking remember. So really, Bill Barr, I'm with Lori Lightfoot in this one. Just stay out of town. You're not helping us uh, in any way. And and Trump is not helping us uh, either. Just trying to use Chicago uh, and use the pain that we have in Chicago as like a campaign tool to scare people into reelecting you. Once again, Attorney uh, General William Barr is in Chicago. Wait, I got an update. Oh, it says here William Barr will be visiting a local porta potty in the North Center neighborhood. (laughs) Benjamin. Ben, I think is bar in the port. Can you check? Is bar in the porta potty behind your house? Oh my god! No, but there's a line outside the porta potty. Bill Barr is not in the line. He's signing autographs in that thing. He could be in there. I just, you know, I don't have X-ray vision to see who is in the porta potty. (laughs) Bill Barr may be in that porta potty. Whenever he comes to Chicago, he loves the porta potty, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) 
<laughs> All right. We do have follow up here on uh, Tom Shuba's story on uh, cannabis licenses here. Uh, this comes from CBS2. Facing calls from black and Latino lawmakers to suspend the lottery for 75 new marijuana dispensary licenses, Governor J.B. Pritzker said he is open to minor tweaks to the program, but he said the process needs to move forward before considering sweeping changes. He said, quote, when we're done with this process, we will have the largest percentage uh, ownership by people of color anywhere in the nation. Yeah, well, uh, Lisa Salmon had a good point on that. If you suspend the lottery, then uh, it'll take that much more time before legitimate uh, applicants who are social equity candidates, whatever that means, will not be operating it. And this has been delayed so long already, people are losing money uh, in the process as they wait for the license to be distributed. Uh, so maybe that's not a great idea, but moving forward, you've got to do a better job of making sure, first of all, knowing who's behind the applications, like literally, who are the people that own the companies? And are they legitimate social equity candidates or did they just take advantage of the system to prop up a facade of a social equity candidate, which is my suspicion here, uh, D. Yeah, based and on that story, yeah, you kind of have a good suspicion. I, I, just my suspicion, and that's what Sonia Harper and I were talking about yesterday, and uh, we've got to do a better job. This hiding, I don't understand why they allow the applicants to hide behind these LLCs, and we, so we don't know who they are. I just think that um, for a state like Illinois, we need more transparency, not less. All right. Uh, how about the cannabis czar, our good friend, Toy Hutchinson? Uh, she noted that applicants were able to seek up to 10 licenses each. So overall, there were more than 4,500 applications for the 75 new dispensary license. Uh, so, quote, there was bound to be a lot of disappointment for this first round. Hutchinson went on to say, quote, we knew that this was going to create a thunderstorm. Uh, when asked if he will consider suspending the lottery for the 75 licenses, Pritzker said that's not allowed under the current state law governing the program. Yeah, well, uh, you could you could change it, I suppose. You could ask to amend it. Uh, by the way, that's what up to ten applications per licensee is that uh, uh, that's a lot of money that the state would raise. So that's my guess. They, they allowed uh, multiple applications because they wanted multiple application fees. And uh, I don't know, in the end, I think that hurt the overall effort uh, to make sure to guarantee uh, that social equity applicants get it. And I think the, the biggest uh, deterrence is allowing them to, to conceal the identity of the people who are really behind these applications. Well, looks like even High Times Magazine is writing about this as well. They said part of the frustration stems from the fact that while more than 700 different groups applied for licenses this time around, only 21 social equity groups are advancing to the lottery round to be considered for business licenses. According to the accounting firm KPMG, those are the group, uh, the groups that receive perfect scores on their applications. Thus, many applicants are suspicious about what happened and what was wrong with their application. High Times weighing in as well, Ben. <laughs> yeah, well, it's pretty obvious. I mean, I'm I would expect high times to weigh in. Uh, but again, they allowed multiple applications from uh, we don't even know who was applying. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, I, it's very suspicious. Uh, and I, you know, I'm all over the map on this uh, delaying it. The Pritzker says he can't delay it. I'm a little doubtful of that. I think they could delay it if they wanted to. But uh, there are some legitimate um 
applicants who are probably ringing up big expenses while they wait uh, further and further. So let's just get it going, uh, but do a better job going forward. So there you are. That's what's going on locally today in Chicago and or Illinois. I'm going to try to provide people with some updates on today's city council meeting before we get out of here. Uh, Feel free to weigh in with your thoughts and opinions uh, at Benny J Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show. Uh, You can send us an email, BennyJShow at gmail.com. You can call us. Yes, we have a phone number, 708-658-4788. That number again, 708-658-4788. Weigh in with your opinion. Let us know what's on your mind. And we'll more than likely read your comments on the program. Also, uh, be sure to download that interview we were just talking about, if you've yet to, uh, when we talked with Sonia Harper. Great interview. Uh, You know, the Shuba covered it today. We talked about it last night. So get all the details and listen to that interview with Sonia Harper at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcast. We do a part two of the show. We do the live show and then we do a part two. We're going to be recording this one after today's show. Ben, who do we got on uh, on on deck to talk to? Well, um, today uh, we have uh, Henry Davis. Our dear friend from South Bend, uh, I let the uh, cat out of the bag uh, last week when I was interviewing uh, Stacey Davis Gates, who is his older sister. Uh, Henry Davis comes on the show a lot. He was talking about Pete Buttigieg, um, but uh, this time, you know, because he's very critical of Pete Buttigieg. Uh, but uh, in this case, uh, Henry's going to talk about his recent bout uh, with COVID-19. Very serious case he had. I'm happy to say he... Uh, he came out, uh, he survived, but it was, uh, he was very ill for a long time. Uh, so we're going to be talking about that and, uh, and probably get into some political talks as well with Henry Davis. There's one thing I want to say we didn't get to, but I, I want to bring this up before we take a break and bring on Monroe. Yeah. Uh, Alderman shoot down proposal that would bring in guard. We talked a lot about this with, uh, Carlos Ramirez Rosa Alderman, uh, of the 35th ward. And this was the resolution uh, probably we're probably going to take a deeper dive on this one next week with Dave Glowatz. This was the resolution that uh, Raylo, Ray Lopez, alderman of the 15th Ward, had proposed uh, that would uh, call on the state to bring in the National Guard to help Chicago deal with uh, the crime situation, the violence in the city. Uh, and the mayor did not want this resolution to be heard uh, or discussed at the Chicago City Council and Raylo. I give him credit for this one, uh, put together a, a counterattack uh, and uh, using the his mastery of parliamentary procedure, uh, got it on the docket. Uh, it was a special meeting uh, convened to discuss it. It was about two weeks ago. I was on vacation at the time. And um, they forced uh, the uh, council committee to have a hearing. The um, And at the time, many of the progressive aldermen uh, voted with Raylo, one of the more conservative aldermen, uh, to have the matter heard uh, in by committee on the grounds that they didn't want the mayor to be able to stifle debate and discussion through these parliamentary procedures that uh, mayors like to uh, play around with uh, from time to time. So they had their committee meeting and the, I just want to update people. The resolution was voted down soundly 16 to two. And the only people who voted for it were Raylo, 
and uh, uh, Alderman Napolitano, a police officer from the 41st Ward. So it was defeated, if you were just curious, it was defeated 16 to two, it was trounced. So again, many of the people who voted to have the hearing then turned around when they had the hearing, voted against it, if you can follow that. Uh, and then Carlos Ramirez Rosa was uh, one of them. He said uh, that uh, he was against the, the matter, but he wanted it to get an honest hearing. So that's something I wanted to talk about and mention. Uh, and uh, we'll be probably taking a deeper dive next week uh, where Dave Glowatz plays his clips. I love it when he does it. He's got those clips that he plays. He goes, Dennis, could you play uh, Alderman Ramirez Rosa? And then Dennis plays it. It's so smooth. We sound so, I'll tell you what, we never sound so smooth uh, as when Dave Dave Glowetz comes, little organization from Mr. Bike, uh, as opposed to me going, yo, D, play that thing. Hey, D, hey, D play that thing. Okay, I got like uh, 30 things. Which one you want? Man, you know that thing where the guy says, Wait, huh? Do you have the thing I sent you yesterday? I want to play it for Monroe. Uh, speaking of which, oh, uh, pre-show planning on, I think it was the Chris, the Chris Wallace interview uh, where Chris Wallace asked uh, President Trump uh, about uh, slavery. I think that's the one I sent that to you oh, yesterday. Yesterday you yeah. sent it. All right. All right. Uh, yeah. Way to channel your inner Dave Glowatz there. I'll, uh, I'll look for it and I'll have it ready. Guys, we're going to take a quick break here uh, right now. Michael Girardi, uh, he's doing bailout. When, after this song, we're talking with Monroe Anderson. It's the Ben Jarofsky show. Yeah. 
Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from Ben's Attic. Every Wednesday, Monroe Anderson joins us uh, to talk Trump, 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 and more Trump. Uh, you ready to talk some Trump, Monroe? Live from my media loft. <laughs> yes. Uh, and uh, before we uh, before we uh, talk some Trump, 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 uh, and more Trump with Monroe Anderson, I want to... Um, to say uh, that Monroe Anderson uh, is, we've talked about this before, is a distinguished graduate of the University of Indiana in uh, Bloomington. And I just got word from a source that I know, a source who will remain anonymous, uh, that the university has honored him as a distinguished alumni officially. It's not just me saying he's the pride and joy of the University of Indiana at Bloomington. The University of Indiana has said that. So congratulations, Monroe Anderson. Congratulations, Monroe. Uh, thank you. And, and I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm honored that um, IU finally thought about me. It's been a long time. <laughs> They're forgiving you for all that marijuana you were smoking in your dorm room back in 1966. <laughs> uh, no, that's a great honor, and uh, he deserves Monroe Anderson, a legend. I always say in the business, uh, he covered. He worked for pretty much every newspaper in Chicago. I'm just gonna just go on extol his virtues. Uh, he comes on the show every week. We forget this, uh, but he worked for the Tribune, the Sun Times. I won't hold the Tribune job against him, uh, but uh, he worked for the Tribune and the Sun Times and Newsweek. Uh, and um, Ebony, Ebony, how can I forget Ebony? Uh, and uh, then he went to work, of course, for uh, Mayor uh, Sawyer as his press secretary. So he learned uh, things how to work on the other side. He went to work for Channel Two for years at Channel Two, uh, and uh, he was the host of Comic Ground. Uh, but uh, yeah, Monroe Anderson. So a University of Indiana uh, has honored him. And by the way, not too long ago, 
I did an interview um, with Charles Ellison, Monroe's roommate, right? You guys were roommates back in the oh, day. Yeah. 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 Back and in the 60s. Back in the 60s. And I urge everybody to check out that. That's a fabulous interview, if I must say so myself. Uh, Charles Ellison talking about his days in Vietnam as a soldier grunt in Vietnam. Uh, but uh, before he went to Vietnam, <laughs> He was Monroe's uh, a roommate. And I don't know, from the stories the two of them told me about what Monroe was like back in the day, I'm stunned that the University of Illinois, I guess the statute of limitation Monroe has expired. And uh, they forgot about it. They forgot. Uh, fortunately, fortunately for me, all the people, professors and et cetera, who were there then are long gone. Yes. So, uh, somebody got a, got a hold of my. Um, my my Twitter account or something. I don't know. Yeah, well, it's a great honor, and you deserve it. All right, Monroe. Now, every uh, Wednesday, he writes a bit on Facebook that talks about what we're going to uh, discuss on the show, and I use it as my cheat sheet. So here we go. I'm going to read this. This is from Monroe's Facebook post. Uh, are the chickens finally coming home to roost for Donald Trump? Are his 20,000-plus lies becoming threadbare? Can Trump spin the report that he knew how deadly the coronavirus was while he was calling it a hoax? Will our troops forgive him for calling their dead brothers losers and suckers? Will the court rule that the taxpayers can assume Trump's legal fees and rape accuser E. Jean Carroll's defamation case? Ben Jarofsky and I will be discussing this and more on the Ben Jarofsky Show. Excellent uh, distillation of uh, what's been going on in the world of Trump. To that, I would add uh, his rewriting the history of slavery. We'll get to that. Uh, there's much to get to we'll see how much we can get to we we can get to and I'll also add just something I've been getting I I think I've told you this before I say this every week I get all the uh, emails from various um uh, the 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 right wingers they like the tea party sends me their emails but one guy I get a lot of emails from is Tim Scott uh, the senator from South Carolina I must get three or four emails from him a day Monroe and um, it's well, I'm just going to read uh, to you what Tim Scott is saying. All right. One, uh, people should know this. Tim Scott is a black man and uh, he is the senator from South Carolina. Uh, he's probably he was he's a high profile member of Donald Trump nation. He got to uh, deliver a speech at the Republican convention. Um, and so here's what the email says. It's just was sent to me, Monroe, and you'll get a kick out of this. Again, this is <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't think they realize who they're writing to, but here's how it's addressed. <clears throat> the heading is words hurt and it's addressed to fellow conservative. Okay, somehow or other, they got me as a fellow conservatives. And here's what he wrote. My grandfather suffered the indignity of leaving school as a third grader to pick cotton, never learned to read or write. He lived to see his grandson become the first African-American to be elected to both the United States House and Senate. So when those on the left call me, quote, token, quote, Uncle Tom, or a race, quote, traitor, it is more than just insults type on a computer. They are words that hurt my soul. Fellow conservative, these words should anger you, too. They represent the very worst of our politics. I strive every day to rise above it and work toward finding solutions for all Americans. We cannot allow the left to get away with their ongoing attacks against anyone who dares to think differently. Uh, My family went from cotton to Congress in one lifetime, and that's why I believe the next American century can be better than the last. I know that insults and attacks I face today are nothing like the injustices 
prejudices and hatred faced by my father, but I know we can do better. Uh, so fellow conservatives, when you read attacks on me for daring to think differently, don't get discouraged, get activated, get motivated, get involved. And then of course he goes on to say, and donate some money uh, to me. Uh, Monroe, yes. what's your thoughts when you hear uh, Tom, uh, Tim Scott's letter to me? Quit Tom and- <laughs> That's it. <laughs> no, okay, so no, seriously, okay. I'll 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 go into a little more detail. He is a Republican. I don't know why he chose to do go that route. Um uh, but for him to complain about people uh being critical of him when you have Trump calling people names day in, day out, including calling um, those who chose to um, fight for this country losers and suckers. Uh, then he ought to man up and just accept that he's going to be called, that words are going to hurt him. Yeah. I, I'm with you there. Uh I yeah, guess. I don't understand. I don't, see, see, the thing is, I know like conservatives. Um, I may have even had one or two black conservatives, conservatives as a friend at some point or another in my life. But I don't, for the life of me, understand, considering how racist those people are, the conservatives in this country, and um, how single-minded they are on certain things, how you could be one. I just don't understand it. Well, there's two issues here, and, I'm, and you raised, you've raised them both, and so I'm going to deal with them in, in the order that you raised them. The first one is the hypocrisy. So um, the Republicans and conservatives in general are always uh, denouncing cancel culture and are always uh, denouncing the snowflake liberals uh, and are always saying uh, that liberals are too sensitive uh, and uh, whenever they com- confront somebody that says something that they find disagreeable, they want to stifle that person and take away their uh, right for free expression. And right. what really uh, Republicans believe in is liberty. Okay. The liberty, free to say what you want and let the chips fall where they may. And so it never fails to bring a smile of disbelief to my face at the utter shamelessness of a Republican like Tim Scott, who knowing that's what the Republicans say all the time, when he feels insulted by something that a lefty says about him or a liberal says about him uh, in the fray, he starts crying and whining and sending out this letter. Oh, they say mean things. And my poor granddaddy who worked in the... Right. Remember that uh, Clarence Thomas was getting an electronic lynching. Yes. And this is um, the guy who got helped by affirmative action and then immediately pulled the ladder up so nobody else could follow. Absolutely. So, in other words, when black conservatives articulate their point of view and they get slammed by their critics, their critics have gone too far and have right. denigrated the the public sphere and have just gone too low. Right. But 
conservatives are free to say any freaking thing they want <laughs> about Monroe Anderson and Ben Jarofsky and all the other lefties and liberals uh, in the land because that's free expression. Right. And, and it's okay to tell it like it is. Yeah. When they insult us, it's telling it like it is. Right. When we insult them, it's, uh, right. they're insulting me. I don't know, Monroe. I, I just had to share that with you. And you're absolutely correct. That's the second point. The second point that black conservatives, oh, this, I think this bothers me more than the first part. They want to pull up the ladder on affirmative action. They want to say, you know what? Affirmative action uh, does not really help black people. And then as soon as they get criticized for something they did wrong, they fall back on their you're racist. Do you follow me, Monroe? Do you follow? You see well, that? Well, speaking of affirmative action, um, Trump just ordered that uh, affirmative action be, quit being practiced by all federal agencies. Yeah. Did you? Did you? Had you heard about that one? Yes, of course. You know, yeah. Right. I know. It's, 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 I mean, he, he has gone full blown white supremacist. He's not even pretending anymore. Well, what are the, the, uh, the efforts that Trump uh, and the Republicans are making in this, uh, in this area has to do with slavery, uh, Monroe. And um, I've talked about it a little bit on the show. They're, they've turned the 1619 project into a dog whistle that right. they're using. Uh, have you been following this at all? The, the yeah. Get yeah. your thoughts on this one. It's a, good, it's, a, it's, it's a good piece. And what it, what it does is bring to the light out from under the, the, the hidden in the closet somewhere, um, how slavery um, impacted this country and how it continues to impact black Americans in this country. You know, what's I've, I've been doing ancestry.com going back in my family history mm-hmm. and my birth certificate says Monroe Anderson, the third, mm-hmm. but in fact, I discovered um, proof positive that the first Monroe Anderson was a mulatto and he was born 1858 in Mississippi. So my, my great grandfather was a slave. Um, and his father was a sharecropper. Um, my father's father was a sharecropper. So, um, I'm not that much better off in, in, in terms of um, arriving than Senator Tim Scott, if you were to play that game. But somehow or other, you resisted the urge to be for Donald Trump. <laughs> Unlike Senator Tim Scott. <laughs> he can't well, fight it. He loves Donald Trump. Uh, yeah. He, 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 this is the skins and the shirts and he decided to go with the silk blouses. <laughs> well, I, uh, I just had to share that with you. I, I got that. Uh, and by the way, that is not the first time that uh, Tim Scott has sent out 
uh, such an appeal. Oh yeah, no, I, I, I get I get Trump's um, emails asking for money. The Trump the Trump campaign. They're, they're, actually, they're desperate right now because they're not getting the money they yes. were getting, and so they you know they they are they are are desperate for money. Biden is out raising them. They haven't even reported what what they, their their latest. Um, campaign contributions, the number on it. And normally it's done at the, it would be done at the beginning of, of the month. And we're nine days to into it or 10 days into the month and they still haven't reported it, which makes me suspect that is not very good. And they have very foolishly, did you hear the reports on how they've yes. uh, mishandled the money for the campaign? Yes, go into it. I've, yes. <laughs> okay. Um, they spent eleven million dollars on an ad in the Super Bowl. Yeah, uh, to go up against Bloomberg. Yep, and this was Trump's ego, you know, because he, he knew that Bloomberg was going to attack him, and so he 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 spent eleven million for that. They spent twenty one million dollars in defending Trump from for um, the impeachment and other crimes and misdemeanors that he's committed 21 million of that that uh, the money for that um, because he lives in Washington where he has about as much chance of winning the vote there as I do and last time I checked I'm not on the ticket he, they spent a lot of money in DC on advertising for him the campaign did because he lives there and he watches TV all the time. And so they wanted to, to make him feel good about that. Yeah. Uh, a lot of money was squandered. And uh, as a result, the huge advantage that Donald Trump had when this uh, year began, when 2020 began, has evaporated, as you're pointing out. Uh, and the, there's going to be an effort by the Republicans to blame. They've always got to find someone to blame. So, for instance, you were just talking about how Donald Trump, they have to indulge his ego by sh airing commercials that he could watch and go, I'm a great guy, uh, uh, when in fact it's a waste of money. But they're going to try some f to find a fall guy to blame uh, on this uh and I but it's probably going to be the old uh, head of the um, the old campaign manager that they fired or they shuffled. They moved him out and replaced him with Bill Stepien not too long ago. You watch. Uh, that's coming. But uh, that is part of the reason, in my humble opinion, that the Justice Department is moving in to take uh, defense uh, to defend Donald Trump, to handle the, the defense, Donald Trump's defense of the E. Jean Carroll lawsuit for uh, defamation regarding her accusation that Trump raped her. Don't you agree with me on that? Yeah, um, it's a stalling tactic. That's, that's all this is. It's just, it's just a stalling. They were about to go into discovery, which means that they were been discussing his, his um, taxes, Mm -hmm. and the details of the, the, the rape, et cetera, it would have been all in the news. So by shifting it, saying, no, 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 no. Uh, this was done while the president was the president, and therefore the government should take this over. So now it's the uh, uh, Jean, E. Jean Carroll 
uh, versus the United States of, of, of America. That's what they're, they're shooting for. And um, because it, the courts are going to have to process this, it'll be after November 3rd, they hope, before all, all this stuff comes out. But this is the biggest. All right. Seems like we may have lost Monroe Anderson. Hang tight, everybody. Ben, are you there? I am here. I'm waiting for Monroe to continue. I can see him on my computer, frozen in mid-sentence. He looks good, man. He's got a haircut. Yeah, he's looking good. It's like one of those uh, moments, uh, D, when I'm watching a basketball game and it freezes. I'm like, okay, I know. See, move there. And no, he's gone. Oh, he's gone. We're going to bring him back. Yeah. I always hesitate. But by the way, the the people who listen to the show live get to hear this uh, this great uh, segment. Of course, the podcasters won't hear a thing of this. D, they won't know about it at all. Yeah, I know. Blissfully, blissfully uh, ignorant. Uh, but uh, I think Monroe was in mid sentence. He was talking about one of my favorite themes. We'll wait for him to call back. One of my favorite themes, which is uh, has to do with uh, William Barr uh, stepping in. The Justice Department has stepped in to, to assume the defense of uh, Donald Trump in the, the lawsuit filed by E. Jean Carroll. I talked about this at the outset of the show. Uh, and Monroe was talking about in terms of the delay tactic. My, I have, of course, been emphasizing the fact that uh, the taxpayers will be picking up the costs of defending uh, Donald Trump. And that one of the things that Donald Trump is particularly concerned about is that he is running low uh, on funds, uh, that uh, he squandered much of the, the millions of dollars that he had raised or uh, early on in this campaign, an extravagant campaign. He thought he was going uh, to have like a slam dunk. And uh, so he was, as, Mon- as Monroe pointed out, uh, he also thought he might um, uh, be up against Michael Bloomberg. So he just wanted to just show Bloomberg in an ego match that I could go with you step for step. Bloomberg, Michael Bloomberg, uh, was having a commercial in the Super Bowl back in February. This is all pre-pandemic. So Trump said, I'm going to have a commercial uh, in the Super Bowl. And Donald Trump's commercial emphasized his support for criminal justice reform, which is like ancient history from where we are right now. But you could tell how much things have changed because of the pandemic, Donald Trump was going to run uh, for re-election based uh, on having created the greatest economy in the history of mankind. That was that was going to be yeah. his. Uh, yeah. Oh, there you are, Monroe. You're you've rejoined yeah, I got, us. I was ta- I was talking to myself. Yeah, uh, and I'm sure it was really interesting. Uh, but what I, w- what I was saying uh, while we were waiting to get you back is yeah. how much the campaign ha- has changed since the early part of the year uh, when Donald Trump aired that commercial that you alluded to in the Super Bowl. That was pre-pandemic, and he was running a campaign based on the notion that he was the greatest uh, president the country had ever seen because he had created the greatest economy the world had ever seen. And he was also compassionate. Uh, he had come up with a criminal justice reform so he was he i think he really felt that he was unbeatable at that moment uh yeah, in which time. Was foolish which was foolish i mean he, he he's been impeached uh he's he has so many things he's in he he has an, uh, a sealed in, indictment waiting on him in new york as um individual number one um and, he was going to lose, as, as you know, I've been saying this for two or three and a half years. He was going to lose anyway, but now he's just going to lose bigger. 
And that's um, this. This what we're, this is what I was talking to myself about. What okay. I thought I was talking to you. The Woodward book has what Bob Woodward did was he released. He's released the tapes. Normally he doesn't do that. The interviewed tapes, and so we have Trump on February seven saying that it was an airborne disease and that it was it was a lot worse. It was five times worse than the flu. Mm-hmm. He knew all this stuff, and he he chose to lie to us. And as a result, we have a lot of uh, the economy's ruined. You you're afraid to send your kids to school. Um, people people uh, lots of people have died. I think it's one hundred and ninety two thousand. And Andy Slavic, who uh, worked in the Obama administration, um, says that seventy five percent had Trump acted right away when he knew in February, early February, that uh, three-fourths of those people who have died would still be alive. Now, you do the math on uh, 0.75 times um, 192,000, and it's a lot of people would still be living. Yeah, the exact quote. And they're still dying, so... Uh, Trump's not going to be able to weasel his way out of this one. Uh, The exact quote, I'll read it to you from the Bob Woodward book. The book's called Rage. And you're right, Monroe. I don't recall uh, Woodward uh, ever releasing the tapes uh, of of these interviews. But the exact quote is, uh, this is Donald Trump speaking. I'm uh, picking this quote from the Bob Woodward book. This is deadly stuff. You just breathe the air and that's how it's passed. It's more deadly than even your strenuous flu. End of quote. And of course, at the same time, um, Trump's people were putting out the notion that it's it's about the same as the flu, so there's no reason to shut down the economy. It's no different than the flu. You're over-exaggerating. Uh, you're hyping this disease. Uh, so Trump knew the ramifications, knew how dangerous uh, the virus was, and yet for why? Why, Monroe? Why do you think uh, that Donald Trump, uh, it, as a Instead of being the leader of the country and trying to protect the country, why do you take the position that he did that the, that it was not a threat? <laughs> because Trump is crazy. <laughs> that's, that's, I mean, there's no other way you could. And, and he's a horrible leader. You know, it, it, he would have had to have taken responsibility yeah. instead of blaming it on the governor. He should have convened all the governors. And said, "What? Uh, what do you need? What can we do for you? Uh, we have to do this right away." Then he should have told the American people that this was the real deal, and that they needed to wear masks, socially distance, wash their hands. Um, in February, early February, yesterday, he he had a rally in um, I think it was North Carolina. Yeah. And he was telling um, people that he wanted the governors to open up the businesses. He wanted the governor to open up the business. I mean, he's still, although he knows better, but he's still pushing that. And part of the reason, the reason that he's pushing it is he wants to give people the impression, his supporters, 
the, the crazy people, the, the impression that um, this is no big deal and that it's going to disappear. He's still doing that. It's going to disappear. But he knows better. Now we know that he knows better from these tapes with Woodward. Yeah. Uh, and uh, beyond that, he's undermining his, the message of his own experts. Right. When he made fun of the reporter for wearing a mask when the reporter asked him a question at that press conference. It's something that happened this week. I know you know it because you obsessively follow all this stuff. You know right. what I'm talking about. Right. Uh, and then when the other reporter took his mask off, Trump goes, oh, he sounds so much better and clearer. Thank you for taking your mask off. Completely undermining the whole message of wearing a mask in the first place. And he wasn't wearing one. And and yesterday, uh, yesterday at the rally, most of his people, there's a thousand there or so, most of them did not have mask on. He didn't have a mask on. And and what's really, I didn't, no, uh, you remember that rally that was in South Dakota? Yeah. Oh, yes. The, the bikers rally. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, they've been traveling. They've been tracking that. And the projection is that 256,000 cases came out of that coronavirus cases because it was, was 400,000 people at this rally in a town that's population is 7,000 normally. Yeah. 400,000 bikers there all squashed together in and in out of places. And they have, they have gone, they went back home, obviously, uh, all across the U.S. And as a result of that, um, 256,000 coronavirus trait, uh, cases are, 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 are coming from there. One, one fifth of all the cases, million cases we've had in the past month, are directly traceable to there. Mm. Uh, and uh, and yet it seems as though uh, the, the Republican Party and the Trump campaign are operating from the notion that the virus is a thing of the past. Right. And, uh, so how successful will that tactic, in your humble opinion, be uh, with voters? Do you think voters are going to uh, follow the Republicans on that logic and just say, yes, this is a thing of the past. Donald Trump doesn't wear a mask. People who come to his rallies don't wear masks. They make fun of people who are reporters who wear masks. How do you think that's going to sell with the public? Um, too bad Elvis Presley isn't alive. He could sing blue, blue tsunami. <laughs> Still sticking to that book. But who was it that was uh, calling you out for your Alabama prediction? I think it was one of our listeners was calling you yeah, out for your well, Alabama. You still well, sticking to the alley that Biden's going to win Alabama and Mississippi? Uh, I'm saying there's a possibility. <laughs> okay. we, well, you know, we've got we've got 55 days left before the election, and Trump is it's only getting worse and worse. I mean. Um, I fully um, believe that within the next week or something, one of Trump's military people are going to come out and and just say, yeah, uh, he used to call um, our brave soldiers suckers and losers. I, he- I heard him say it. And he's no, already, he's lost, you know, Military Times did a piece where half of the um, military people are not supporting him anymore. And he used to be really popular among the military folks. Yeah. No, this is astounding that Donald Trump, uh, 
that is still even considered a possible winner in this election by tra- he what he did by trashing desecrating uh, the soldiers who were killed in war calling right. them losers and suckers goes right. far beyond anything any democrat would even think of saying right well but see the trump the trump nuts are just so devoted that they they so they refuse to believe it. You know, he tells them it's a hoax, it's a lie, and they believe that it's a hoax, it's a lie. lie. My 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 uh, Trump nut friends that I fight with on Facebook, uh, their defense for it is, well, they're no witnesses. They just they talk about sources. They don't name anybody. The fake the fake media is making it up. But I'm saying at some point in the not in the not too distant future, mm-hmm. uh, some general will say to some guy named Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, some guy named Kelly. Okay, it's got it's got to fess up. So just come out and say, yeah, yeah, he said it. He said it at my son's grave as we stood there, my, my fallen son, military man. Uh, that Kelly that Monroe Anderson's alluding to, of course, is John Kelly. He's be chief of staff uh, to Donald Trump. He was considered the responsible person in the White House that was holding it all together. You remember those days, Monroe? John Kelly was the responsible person in the White House, the grown up in the White House that was holding it all together. Uh, and um, uh, he he finally stepped away uh, from Donald Trump at his service. He's 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 not talking right now. He um, is maintaining silence. He says there's a certain decorum he's going to follow. Uh, and so he's just not going to comment uh, whatsoever. Uh, but Trump obviously believes that John Kelly is a source of uh, the off the record comments made to Atlantic Monthly because when he was talking about uh, the article last week, he started all out of nowhere, started trashing John Kelly. Yeah. Uh, Monroe. He says, Kelly, Kelly's a source of I, I, many, many years ago. I mean, maybe maybe I learned this when I was a press secretary, but at some point in my career, I learned how to track sources in media stories, and it's the person who's not named but who gets good copy in the story somewhere. <laughs> nice things are said about them uh, because the reporter is protecting his or her source because they want to be able to come back to them. And so they're not going to trash them. In fact, they're going to make them sound heroic. Wow. That's some cynical stuff, but it's absolutely true. Uh, and I've, I've long ago learned to do the same thing. I didn't have the, uh, when Monroe, when Monroe Anderson was tracking sources as the press secretary, uh, you were obviously trying to protect the mayor, in that case, following months of and and they wrote wonderful things about me in the, in the process. <laughs> I see. So you saw it in action, right? Right. <laughs> That's hilarious, Monroe. <laughs> well, you know, uh, I mean, we're in a tangent here, but I I, I stopped. I, years ago, I would, uh, you could see old columns I wrote where I have uh, blind quotes. You know, I would, uh, somebody would talk to me. And then after a while, I just stopped doing it. I just, yeah. you know, I felt used to a certain degree. 
Right. You know, if you're not going to come out and yeah, they leak at stuff that they want you to print, uh, and it's 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 not fair to the other person who it's going against. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. It's, so it's, you have to force them on the on the record. You so the in, record. in this particular case, the Atlantic Monthly story. Yeah. I believe Trump said it because it's literally sounds like Donald Trump. Oh yeah, no, Trump said no question about it. Yeah. I mean, he's, he said, I mean, you know, he's, he's talked about John McCain. Uh, he's called John McCain a loser in public. Yeah. Like a lot of those things, not, not everything in the, in the, in the Atlantic story, uh, can be tracked, but a lot of that, you can see that's how he talks. That's how he thinks. Uh, I, I want to just let people know uh, this Friday, uh, I'm going to have a guest come on the show who is a Air Force veteran, uh, who is the one Michael Thurman is his name. And he's the person who is very critical of Joe Biden, went up to Joe Biden's face uh, and criticized him for voting to authorize uh, the war in Iraq uh, when he was a senator and supporting the war efforts and calling them, you know, and saying there's blood on his hands. Uh, then Donald Trump Jr. Uh, took found that old um you, uh, uh, Twitter uh, uh, bit and retweeted it uh, and uh, millions of people have, have viewed it and Michael Thurman has come out and denounced Trump for doing that and saying I don't want anybody to think I'm uh, voting for Donald Trump. I despise Donald Trump. He's going to come on the show uh, this Friday. We're going to talk about all these things but do- the point I'll be raising with uh, Michael Thurman is the one that I'm going to share with you Monroe. Go back to Donald Trump his life before he ran for office. And he was very open about how he didn't serve in the Vietnam War and just thought that the Vietnam War uh, was a waste of anybody's time and that he was yeah. running around uh, having a, the good life uh, back he then. He was in Studio 54, and he said his, his big, biggest battle in the 70s was fighting venereal diseases. Yes. And then he laughed. And Howard right. Stern laughed. And whoever right. else was enabling right. him in those days uh, laughed. And now he's acting all patriotic and how he reveres the military, throws gazillions of dollars at the military. And that's sort of his way of just buying. But he disrespects the generals. I mean, even this week, he's, he's talked about how the, he's dissed the generals, saying that the, the troops love him, but the, the generals are trying to um, make money off of the wars. They want to make money. Which yeah, is which is really about. bizarre because Donald Trump's administration has uh, jacked up the amount of money that we spend on military and airplanes and armaments and weaponry uh, right. beyond anything that Barack Obama did. And Barack Obama had jacked it up. He was spending too much on the military. And it's just so hypocritical for Donald Trump to act as though that when he's a man of peace, our it's army not, is not hypocritical. It's dishonest. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's, it's beyond you're right. Um, so, yeah, I believe that he said it, but going back to what my, the point I was going to make, I'm disappointed that the person just, just didn't own up to it. And um, I know whoever said, let's, let's say it was John Kelly, just for the yeah. sake, he would be trashed by MAGA Nation. Okay. You know it. He would be trashed by MAGA Nation. Right. right. Uh, but on the other hand, it's getting trashed anyway. By exactly. Nation. so exactly, exactly. You know, Cohen, Cohen. Did you did you did you hear Cohen's interview yesterday? Uh, yeah, Michael's. 
book, his latest book. Anyway, and I've, I've said this on your show, uh, and he just confirmed it, is that Trump did not plan to be president. He ran for president because he saw it as his great marketing uh, thing he could do, mm-hmm. uh, where he would he would he would run. Um, he would um, he, his his name would become bigger and bigger. He could cut the deal with Russia, putting the Trump Tower with Putin, putting the Trump Tower there. But th- this was all to make him richer and more famous, more more of a bigger brand. And then he up and won. <laughs> And you know he did not. He didn't have as as I, I think I, I know I've mentioned this on your show before. He didn't even have a, a a victory speech written the night the returns were coming in. And he did not expect to win. And then you know it's sort of like the producers. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of the great movies of all time, Mel Brooks, the producers. Uh, so what you do is if you want to make money on Broadway, uh, what you do is you bring in uh, more money to stage a play than you would possibly need. And then you produce a flop so that it just dies after one production. And then you get to keep all the money you raised. Well, whatever. <laughs> Their show turns out to be a hit. So suddenly they owe all these people. Springtime for Hitler. <laughs> yeah, springtime for Hitler. By the way, uh, really disturbing news. I talked about it yesterday in the show in uh, Germany, the neo-Nazi movement in Germany, which is just yeah. a pause to think how frightening that is. A neo-Nazi right. movement in Germany right. uh, is uh, has adopted Trump as their hero. Right. And now, he's uh, his, 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 this is why... This this is why we not only have to defeat him in November, but we have to defeat him so hugely that um, he becomes a, a non-factor, that he's embarrassed. I mean, that's the only way we're going to be able to start to fight this. Um, because he, 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 the the white nationalism and the racism is is spreading around the world because America looks up to. I mean, the world looks up to America. Yeah. Well, I'm going to end this with a little bit of good news uh, on that front. Uh, one of the uh, emails I got today uh, from Right Wing America, and I get literally dozens of them every day. Yeah. said, good news. Follow me in this, Monroe. It said, yeah. good news. Good yeah. news. We are now even with Biden in Texas. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, that's the good news? Uh, I mean, Texas is supposed to be a given for Trump. You yeah. know what I'm saying? It would be like um, LeBron uh, sending out an email saying, Good news. Uh, we're only a few points ahead of the Bulls. <laughs> uh, you had to bring in my beloved Bulls. You had to bring in my beloved Chicago Bulls and how bad we're doing. I'll tell you what. Uh, uh, yeah, we aren't doing bad at all. We're not. We're bitch warming. You know, we're 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 staying we're staying in place at home. Well, I just want to point something out. That's what our beloved Bulls are doing. I'll tell you something about my beloved Bulls. Right now, yeah. my beloved Bulls are undefeated in the bubble. 
Yeah, I'm not, I'm play, but, right. I'm run defeated in the bubble, okay? Exactly. Yeah, they, they haven't played any they, games. He said they put a they didn't lay a hand on them. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Monroe, you look. Oh, final question of the day. Got to ask you this. We were talking about this yesterday, and I said, I said I'm going to ask Monroe this. I made a declaration yesterday that I'm going to go vote in person. That I believe that voting in person, uh, wear, wear a mask. It will not be uh, much different, let's say, going to the grocery store to buy some groceries. I'm going to take care of myself. I'm going to be in, going to be out. I'm going to vote in person. Uh, are you going to vote in person or are you going to vote by mail? The last time I was in a grocery store was March 15th. Wow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, I mean, literally, I, was, I, was, I, I, I went to a Mariano's, the, the one on, uh, on North Avenue. That's the last time I've been in a grocery store. All my groceries are delivered. I see. So I guess you're going to be voting by mail. I will be uh, voting by mail. I, right. I, 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 although I, I, I understand that the chances of my c- contacting uh, COVID-19, if I have a mask on and, and gloves and I, I'm in a place where I just go in and come out, are minor. And, and plus our positivity rate right now is 4%. Which is which means that four 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 out of one hundred people tested positive for the virus. So it's it's minor to begin with, but um, I have no interest in fooling. All right, I think Monroe has frozen He'll be back. on us again. He'll, He'll be, be back, back. and uh, we have yeah. some questions for him. The live stream chat has asked him some questions, so uh, we'll give Monroe some time here. He's doing a little buffering at the moment. Uh, hopefully you can see it. Uh Oh, well, I'll ask uh, the question, uh, to you, Ben, uh, shout out to the live stream chat. They weighed in here. Uh, Jim on the live stream chat. Uh, I think he was asking Monroe's opinion here. Sorry, Jim, you're getting Ben's take. Uh, he (laughs) says, question, will Trump go to prison when he is out of the white house? Oh, I, I will answer that question as though Monroe were answering it. Yes, emphatically. Monroe has been predicting that for a long, a long time. There's so many uh, cases mounting against uh, Donald Trump uh, that, you know, let, let's assume um, that Biden wins the election because this is the only way uh, Trump would ever go to prison. Of course, if Biden uh, were uh, to win the election, then you have to say, well, will Joe Biden want uh, to spend time having his Justice Department prosecute Donald Trump. And I'm not quite sure about the answer to that. Uh, Joe Biden seems to be the type of candidate that's going to say, you know, we're moving forward. That's what we're going to do. We're going to move forward. We're going to forget about the past uh, with Donald Trump. Uh, so there's just some issue as to whether uh, Biden would bother to prosecute or what what I'm saying is would he would uh, uh, order his um, uh, Justice Department to prosecute. So I'm not quite sure about that. Uh, but Donald Trump will be facing a, 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 a whole array of lawsuits on a, a state level. Not, so I don't think he'd go to jail for them, but uh, it could be many embarrassing, embarrassing revelations and uh, uh, court, court awards to pace uh, if he doesn't go to jail. So it's not going to be easy for Donald Trump if he were to defeat it, that is for sure. All right, and listeners, I'm a huge liar. Turns out Monroe Anderson is gone. I don't think he's going to be back, so we're just going to move right along here. Uh, thanks, everyone, who reached out on the live stream chat. Hopefully, we'll get your questions in next Wednesday when Monroe is here. All right, I have some updates on today's city council meeting. Uh, yes, it was today at about 10 a.m. 
the one thing we've learned here, the following comes from Fran Spielman in the Chicago Sun-Times. The city council approves ban on flavored vaping products that are favored by teens. It seems like uh, vaping has always been the issue here ever since it's become legal uh, in the state of Illinois. Isn't that right, Ben? And it's one thing that everybody in Chicago can agree on these days. Vaping is bad for you, particularly flavored vaping. Oh, wait, city council, way to hammer hard at that uh, that important issue. Chicago, uh, it says here, uh, on a 46 to 4 vote, after a surprisingly spirited debate, Alderman approved a watered-down ordinance banning the sale of flavored vaping products favored by teens, but exempting flavored tobacco products, including menthol cigarettes. We have uh, Lori Lightfoot speaking on this. She gave a press briefing after the city council meeting. Like to hear it? Here it goes. The city council today passed the Woodlawn Housing Ordinance. This is an innovative and comprehensive measure uh, that will, among other things, uh, protect existing Woodlawn residents from displacement, as well as expand home ownership opportunities and ensure inclusive growth uh, for this historic neighborhood. This ordinance also represents a culmination of an effort that began last summer when we initiated a robust series of community engagement meetings to create a real two-way dialogue around community priorities related uh, to the creation of the Obama Presidential Center. I want to give a special thanks um, to Alderman Hairston and Alderman uh, Jeanette Taylor. Both were fierce advocates for their communities, making sure that long-term residents were heard, respected, and supported. Thanks also goes to Commissioner uh, Maurice Cox of Planning and his team, as well as Commissioner uh, Marissa Navarro of Housing and her team. Both departments led and participated in a significant process of community engagement, and the fruits of those labors are reflected in this historic um, ordinance. Thanks to those efforts, uh, this ordinance, along with others we've undertaken, will ensure that not only the Woodlawn community members, but other Chicago residents will be able to fully benefit from the incredible opportunities created by the future Obama Presidential Center, and we are very excited to break ground on that center as soon as possible. Meanwhile, we also made a hugely important step in keeping our residents, particularly our young people, healthy with the City Council's vote to ban the sale of flavored vaping products in Chicago, helping keep them from using these products and developing life-threatening habits. And I want to be clear, because there was some discussion about this among City Council, with flavors like candy and chocolate, um, and other um, uh, names and flavors that are clearly targeted towards children and young people. These products, no doubt about it, are designed to get our young people hooked. The tobacco industry is looking for its next generation of people who are addicted to nicotine, and we as a city have a responsibility to do everything that we can to keep that from happening. So there you are. That first uh, measure she was talking about, the uh, the Woodlawn uh, housing ordinance, uh, Jeanette Taylor's been on the show, Alderwoman Jeanette Taylor, 20th Ward. Uh, this is uh, this has been a, a tough issue to resolve. I have to take a look at the uh, of the details of this one, D. Uh, but uh, Jeanette Taylor is very concerned that the, the Obama Presidential Center uh, would ignite gentrification in her area and force uh, many longtime residents out of the area by making it too expensive to live in. This is 
uh, been happening all over the north side, and she was concerned that it was going to happen. It's already happening to a certain degree, let's be honest, uh, in the Woodlawn area. So um, she didn't get everything she wanted, Jeanette Taylor. She was very open about that the last time she was on the show, but she wanted some kind of uh, protection for the residents. And by the way, it's not a slam dunk absolutely yet on that presidential center. There's still a lawsuit uh, against the center uh, saying that it should not be um, trying to prevent it from being built in Jackson Park, saying that would be uh, destroying a beautiful park. Very sympathetic uh, to the cause in that lawsuit. So it's not 100% done deal. I think the the last ruling I saw, the judge ruled in favor of the presidential center uh, and the city and against the residents who are fighting it, but they're appealing. And so it's not 100% a done deal yet, D. Measures that will support the health and safety of our residents. All right, we're done with that. Mayor Lightfoot's uh, press briefing. Go check it out. It's online. And uh, we're just about 100% done with today's program. But before we roll out of here, we want to remind everybody you can send us an email, bennyjshow at gmail.com. You can reach us on social media at bennyjshow, B E N N Y, the letter J show, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And of course, you can always give us a call, 708 658 4788. That number again, 708-658-4788. And everybody, we're going to be talking with our reoccurring guest and dear friend, uh, little brother of SDG, Stacy Davis-Gates. Henry Davis is going to be joining us. It's going to be available for download by 7 p.m. tonight. Be on the lookout for that as well. All right. I want to thank Monroe Anderson. Did a great job, as he always does, talking Trump, 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 Trump. And, of course, thank the man, the myth, the legend, the pride of joy of all Illinois, without whom the show would be possible. Back home at Alton, they call him Dennis. That's all they do. They call him Dennis. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everyone. Garza and Alderman Mike Rodriguez uh, for their efforts on this important issue. Um, now I'm happy to take your questions. When it comes to vaping, there have been some that have written about it saying that it was watered down, what the ordinance with that uh, was passed today. If this is so important, why not ban uh, flavored cigarettes? Why not take it further? Well, we, as I said, we intend to, to keep pushing on this issue. This is very uh, personal to me, as I remarked um, during uh, city council. Uh, my father started smoking cigarettes when he was about 13 years old, and he smoked um, up until about the last year of his life, and he only stopped um, because he was heavily, heavily addicted. He only stopped uh, when he literally couldn't get oxygen and had to go on supplementary oxygen. Watching a loved one who has been a victim of nicotine addiction and the terrible things that um, smoking does to your body, to your upper respiratory uh, systems, to your heart, and seeing him die slowly over the course of a very long year. I will never forget that, and I am determined to make sure that we do everything we can to educate um, our folks uh, about the perils of smoking, but we have to do something to stop um, the spread of vaping um, among our young people. As, as remarked by many on the city council floor. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. 
everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real Traveler Reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.